Hi everyone, you're listening to the Third Coast Podcast, I'm Dennis Funk. With quite a lot coming up here at Third Coast in the next few months, in June we're kicking off a fundraiser with a super generous match to redesign our website. July is the final deadline for Third Coast Richard H. Driehaus Foundation competition entries and in the same month registration opens for our November conference. Uh, You can follow all this news across our many wires, Twitter, Facebook and of course our hopefully soon to be redesigned website thirdcoastfestival.org. This week we're shaking things up a bit on the podcast bringing you a special feature rather than a resound repeat. If you'd like to hear this week's repeat, which is the night show, you can find it on the homepage of our website, thirdcoastfestival.org. Today we bring you a story called Easy Love by Australian producer and musician Jay Kranz. Actually, hold on one second. Oh, sorry. Sorry about that. I just had to do a little switcheroo on my uh, Third Coast radio. Uh, This is actually one of Jay's songs playing right now. Um, Lovely stuff, isn't it? After the piece, you can keep listening because there's a short little interview I did with Jay uh, about making her story. So, uh, let's get started. Here's Easy Love. The idea was simple. You know, well, I fantasised about this, why not? And I'm, you know, I'm feeling lonely, it's a Sunday night, yeah, why not? (laughs) So he did what anyone with that line of thinking would have done in 1987. He picked up the yellow pages and turned to E for escort. Thinking, okay, I'll try and choose the best ad or the classiest place. And there was the big ad there for the uh, touch of class in Baldwin. Yeah, it had like a a mock-up drawing of a champagne flute. And then then in brackets, non-smokers available or something. I thought, oh yeah, that's good, that's for me. And as soon as I got off the phone, it was like, oh dear, oh dear, what what am I doing? (laughs) So it almost pretty much talked myself out of the experience even before she arrived. Warren said 20 agonising minutes passed. He started to wonder if he'd actually be able to carry it off. So when the knock on the door finally came... I just told her that I'd made an extraordinarily bad (laughs) mistake and that I was, you know, and just pulled out my wallet and said, here, look, take the money and, you know, you can go. She said, oh, you know, what about even just a massage? I said, nah, look, really, (laughs) it's fine. Yeah, can we just leave it at that? She left. Then she came back. Her driver had taken off, which he wasn't supposed to do. So she asked Warren if she could wait it out with him until her driver returned. I had to sort of almost be a host. (laughs) There I was, making her cups of tea, and there she was smoking up a storm, the so-called no-smoking escort. It was a fantasy gone wrong. I didn't want to talk to her. I didn't want to be sociable. I didn't... It was just like, oh, no, this is not happening. He can't remember what they talked about, but he does remember her saying that she doesn't usually do this sort of thing. In fact, the non-smoking escort explained that the only reason she was there was that she'd fallen asleep with a lit cigarette and had set her mattress and bedroom on fire, so was making some quick cash to cover the expenses. Eventually, she left. I asked him if there were any insights he'd gleaned from this whole encounter. There's a long section of our conversation 
where I'm prodding him for something profound. But all he came up with was this one thing. You know, sometimes you win, sometimes you lose. That was it, or so he said. But this wasn't an isolated incident. It was part of something bigger that was going on for Warren at the time. I just was emotionally like on a knife edge and also sort of feeling like, oh, you know, nothing matters. We just, just just do stuff, just be alive. It was a reckless time for Warren. He was doing all kinds of things he'd never done before. But it was fueled by something, something that had happened six months earlier to his then partner, a woman called Jackie. She'd stayed the night at my place the night before and she contacted me at work and said that she'd left her rings at my place and wanted to go and pick them up. So I gave her my keys. And then she didn't turn up to bring the keys back. And I started to think, oh, it's a, bit, a little bit odd. And then I got a call from her ex-husband telling me that she was in hospital. It had been a car accident, but you know everything was going to be all right. You know. So I went up there and she was in intensive care. They were sort of operating on her, but basically it just went on and on and on and I started getting more agitated. Anyway, yeah, they, she died. They couldn't, um, some guy had gone through a red light and collected her as she was coming back to my work. And going back to my place and just sort of smelling her in the bed from the night before, you know, all that, that was really very, very difficult. Was she the love of your life? Jackie? Yeah, yeah. I was sort of fighting it, but yeah, definitely she was, yeah. You know, when a relationship has some sort of magic around it, can't put it into words really, it's just like a rightness to it. Like when the temperature's right and you don't even think about it. I asked Warren if we could go for a drive to the corner of Smith Street and Victoria Parade, where the crash happened. He says it's no big deal, it's not going to disturb him. He's driven past it a million times. But he wants us to go and pick up his dog, Oki, from his place first. Warren drives. He says he's got two CDs on high rotation at the moment. One of them plays when the engine starts up. Things that you leave behind Often will cross your mind But you won't forget them Cause friends like those never really go They never really Some of that. Okay, I'll get the boy. Yes, okay. Well, I've been away that long. Even thinking about losing him. I spend so much of my time with him, and he's such a companion, and then he's gonna die on me. Settle, mate. When was the first week of June? I think it was the 15th of December. There's the finality of it. You know, I cannot ever talk to that person ever again. When somebody's just gone, gone, it's disappeared. It's like, fuck, that's it. I didn't, you know, should, could have, should have maybe, you know, you know, just should have loved him or just given myself to it completely. I was sort of fighting it. Fear, fear of failure, fear, I mean, what, yeah. So this is the corner right here. So as I understand, she was just driving across here and a guy coming, came down Victoria Parade and hit her, hit her there. We pull over around the corner and Warren cuts the engine for a few minutes. What did she look like? Beautiful, most stunning, beautiful blue eyes you've ever seen. He told me he found out later that her eyes had been given to someone else, 
transplanted. I always used to think about that for a while, thinking that was someone who was actually walking around, using her eyes and seeing, to think that when if I'd ever meet that person that had her eyes. We head back. Warren puts the second CD in the player. He says he's feeling sad, like something's been opened that hasn't been opened in a while. At first, he said that happened all the time. Case in point, on the drive back, Warren gestures towards a narrow side street that we pass. That's the street, he says, that he'd happened to drive down two months after Jackie's death. And her smashed car was sitting in the street outside a bloody crash repairers. And I went into it and I actually found her licence on the floor. It was horrible. It was, you know, I couldn't believe that her car was just sort of still existed and was just sitting there. And, you know, it wasn't long after that that he had this kind of grief-induced clarity, that thing about just living. He asked strangers on dates. He took brave steps with his photographs. And one Sunday night, as you know, he picked up the yellow pages and he dialed a touch of class. It got me thinking about that line he'd said earlier, Sometimes you win, sometimes you lose. I asked him how he was going with that. Which one had the upper hand so far in life? Had he won more? Had he lost more? There was no contest. Loss is is like a motif in my life, and it has been ever since I was a kid. He mentions his mum leaving for a long time when he was young. Then the woman who took care of him left. They moved state a lot. He was always leaving schools, leaving friends behind, leaving his first girlfriend losing animals he loved. I've possibly just relived those through my life, that sort of loss taking away. And is it still there now? Yeah, yeah, yeah. I don't feel like I'm very good at forming long-term relationships. Is that since Jackie? Oh, definitely the case since, yeah, since Jackie died. that I would have thought at that point after she died, yeah, well, you know, I'm just going to, like, go full throttle. I definitely, definitely don't live like that at all. Is it too late? No, no, of course not. No, it's ne- never too late. He's trying to remember the lesson of living, but it's not easy. I ask him what this last song is that we're listening to. He passes me the cover. It's called Easy Love. I look at the lyrics to see if I heard them right. One line reads, every heartbreak feels just like death. But another reads, who'd have thought it'd be so easy to fall in love all over again? Maybe this song will be prophetic too. Easy Love by Melbourne-based producer Jay Kranz. It was originally produced for Long Story Short, a series from the Australian Broadcasting Corporation. I recently had the chance to speak with Jay about this work, and she told me how she came to find Warren's story. I first moved into this neighbourhood here that I live in called Yarraville in Melbourne's West, maybe seven years ago now. 
And I think it was like in the first week or two that I was here, I went into the local coffee shop and there was this guy that kind of blew in this very windswept looking guy with a plaid shirt. And he was talking really loudly to the barista about music, which is a passion of mine. And there was one album that, that he mentioned that I really loved that he, he thought was terrible. And so I had to pipe up and <laughs> tell him that I thought it was a great album. And um, yeah, we, we've been arguing and sharing music ever since. And how did it come about that he told you the escort story? Was that something he told you soon after you'd met him? Yeah, that was quite a while in. I was looking for a story on a certain topic and uh, he was one of the first people I rang because it's sort of related to the topic. He just told me the escort story. And his history with Jackie, was that something that came out of the escort story like it does in the piece or did that come, come about separately? No, no. He just mentioned Jackie in passing and I didn't know about Jackie. I'd, I'd known him for quite a while at this point and I never knew that that side of his story and he never mentioned it and it was when he mentioned Jackie that you know part of me felt like someone had just skimmed over the most important thing you know <laughs> they could possibly talk about but acted like it was nothing and so it was only later when Radio National um, were looking for stories on the theme of crash the two pieces of the story sort of came together for me because all, all he had said was that, you know, he'd had a partner called Jackie and, you know, she died in a car crash. And also the story of the escort is a crash of its own in a way. What made you decide to order the two stories this way? Do you think they could be restructured and still have the same effect? I couldn't imagine the order of things being any different as far as putting the escort story first because I really wanted people to just experience that anecdote freely first as this just awkward, very human moment, which I think it is, and, and a funny one, a one that reveals things about Warren in just its own way without the rest of the story. I think it's very telling. And then I wanted people to experience it sort of twice. So first, just as this story, and then in retrospect, when the story sort of arcs back in time, and I wanted people to have that layered experience of that anecdote. Uh, is there anything you left out of this story that you would like to have used but you just didn't have time to squeeze it in? There were a few little things like she actually kind of had to go back and forth a couple of times outside to keep looking for the driver and she, yeah, I think she came back and forth twice and every time there was her heels against his stairs and you know on the pavement and I think the story doesn't convey quite as much about how much he was really having what he felt was his own stupidity rubbed in his own face by having her stay there. Uh, Did learning about Jackie make Warren more understandable to you than he was before? He photographed old and beautiful disappearing things and he collected old and beautiful things. And in a way, it, it makes sense to me now that I know the story because there's a part of him that has a romance with the past and that there's something more beautiful about the past. And um, it was actually Jackie that gave him his first camera. She said, I think you might enjoy this, and gave him a camera, and it's, it's really what he's been doing ever since. And he calls himself an old bloke trudging around with a camera. Um, you know, before the interview, I, I looked you up and I saw that you're also a musician. 
Um, can you tell me about some of your musical projects as well? Yeah, uh, my main one is 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 my band um, that I call Brighter Later, um, and I, I I write the music and sort of spearhead the project, I guess, and, and the, I'm the front person. Um, and we just released our first album called The Wolves last year, and yeah, right now I'm just working on the sophomore album. Jay Kranz, talking about her story, Easy Love. You can hear more from Jay on ABC Radio National's programme, The Radio Hour. This is a song from Jay's band, Brighter Later, called Come and Go. Who could not have seen You come and go And not believe To see our first Steps in the snow. A massive thanks to Jay for waking up extremely early in Australia to talk to me here in Chicago. If you have any additional questions for Jay, you can send them along to resound at thirdcoastfestival.org and we'll try to get them answered for you. And soon they are That's all for this week's podcast. Don't forget to check out our Facebook, Twitter, and stop by our website, thirdcoastfestival.org, for more news about what we're up to. As always, thanks for listening.